0: My name is Calvin Kim, and I live in Washington State with my beautiful wife and two girls. And I practice dentistry full-time. I also serve as the director of a ministry called Army Bible Camp. Some of you may have heard of it. I see a couple faces that have been to our camps. And we're a ministry dedicated to arming God's people with tools for biblical revival through deeper Bible study, prayer, and witnessing. One of the things that I really appreciate about dentistry is the flexibility that gives me to be able to do ministry inside the practice and outside the practice. I've been to Amen before. It's been a real blessing to me. One of the things that Amen has done for me is reinforce my commitment to evangelism in the workplace, as well as just be a great resource. Anyways, if you'll just bow your heads with me, let's start with prayer. Dear Father, we just want to thank you for all your rich blessings. We want to thank you for this time together. I just pray that I would be a conduit for, your, for you to speak through me, and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to just start off with just a couple pictures my wife and I, well, you know, we really wanted the aesthetics of our office to reflect our faith. Years ago, I was very sick, and I had gone to this physician He was an Adventist physician, and his office was very outdated, but it had a very godly atmosphere. And it was so comforting to me during that time as I was going through that. And so his office was kind of the inspiration behind our office. You see over there our fireplace. On top of the mantel, we have a prayer box. I learned about this at Amen. And this is what it says. We realize this office is a place of business, but we want you to know that your doctor believes in prayer. If you have something specific you would like him to pray for, please take the time to write your prayer request on the index card above and place it in the box, your name optional. Additionally, the doctor enjoys giving Bible studies to his patients. If you'd like to learn more about the Bible or Bible prophecy, please indicate on the card and leave your name and number. The doctor will be happy to contact you and schedule a time to meet with you for one-on-one or group studies. I find dentistry to be very gratifying, but having Bible studies with your patient is very satisfying. Quick story, I just had a patient. This patient just told me the story yesterday. He had prayed that God would help him find the right dental office, and when he walked into our office and he saw the prayer box, he knew that God had answered his prayer. Now, he had left a request. It wasn't a typical request, and his request was, "How how do you memorize Bible chapters, or what is your method? Not your typical question. I happen to be on a journey to memorize the book of John. I'm actually almost done. I'm finally on the last chapter of the book of John. And so I, I contacted him. We met together, had a chance to share with him the things that I've been using, mnemonic techniques to help memorize. That led to Bible studies, and now we're studying the Bible together, all as a result of this prayer box. And so this is something that's very simple to do and something I would encourage you to seriously think about, because it's so simple to do, but there's so many blessings that can come from this prayer box. This is the Tree of Life Literature Rack. I visited Steve Chang's office. He'll be the next speaker, and I saw this Tree of Life Literature Act, and I really like the way that it looked because it looks so classy. From what I know, I don't believe they sell it anymore at Amazing Facts because because I think during shipping, this thing tends to break. But you can check with them. But Amazing Facts is just a great resource for literature. Another place that I get a lot of my literature is from Remnant Publishing because I can purchase in a box. I find the best time to hand literature to patients. Well, plenty of patients will take it off of there. okay? But a good time is when your patient is really thankful and they're really happy. And they're thanking you. It's just a great time to hand them. Or normally, I'll say something like this. I'll say, you know, this is a book that I really love, and I love handing it out to my patients. And sometimes I'll just sign my name, and I'll say, thanks for being a great patient. And I'll sign my name, hoping they won't throw it away, since I wrote them a little note in there. I believe that every 7th Avenue dental clinic is a center of influence. Now, this was a very simple thing that we did, is we had a local artist come in. It was very inexpensive, and she, just, she wrote scripture on the wall for us. And so this is right behind the front desk. So as soon as the patients walk in, most patients have a little bit of anxiety when they come to the dental office. And so here, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. And then on the left is the Nathan Green painting, of course, with Jesus over the dentist that my best friend had gotten for me as a gift. This is painted in my private office. This is George Mueller's favorite text, Psalms 81:10, Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. I just think for the dentist, I just love the dual application, the local application and the spiritual application. Now, you probably all know what the dentist's favorite hymn is, right? That's right. Crown him with many crowns. (laughs) This is our hygiene operatory, and this is a little plaque. This is what it says, a Bible that's fallen apart often belongs to someone who isn't. Now, my hygienist was just telling me how much she loves this little plaque. Patients will come in and sit down and say, that's so true. There will be people really of no religious persuasion that will sit there, and she'll see them pondering on this, the words of this plaque. And she says, some people, several people have told her, my grandmother had a Bible that was falling apart. And they relate the plaque to the nurturing of their grandmother. And so what this does is this little plaque is just a great little conversation piece, conversation starter. This practice happens to be in the country, and so we've kind of got a country feel to this. My other practice is in the city. And, it's, and, and we don't have scripture on the wall. We have different things at that, at that practice. But I'm just showing you pictures from this particular office. I had this painted, I had this written right above my doorway, you are now entering the mission field, just as a constant reminder that for each one of us, the world is our mission field. I once asked a patient if she would like me to pray with her. I'm pretty sure she started crying, and this is what she said. She said something to the effect of, I have no one to pray with. It made me realize that for some people, our offices may be the only exposure to spiritual influences or gospel truth that they may be encountering on a regular basis. For me, it was almost kind of a foreign thing that she had no one to pray with because most of us, we have so many people to pray with. When I was asked to do a presentation here at the AMEN conference, they specified that they wanted to be a topic that would qualify for dental continuing education credit, so you will be receiving CE credit for this presentation. The topic that I will be presenting on is practice growth. I believe that every dental, every dental office is a center of influence and it should be thriving. A well-run dental office. Dental office or dental business brings glory to God and increases our effectiveness for witness. Now, the reason why I chose this topic is it's, one, it's a topic that I felt very comfortable presenting on, and it's one of the aspects of dentistry that I enjoy the most. In fact, so much so that my last three dental practices have all been scratch sharp practices from the ground up. My wife and I know that any success and all success we've had through our business has been the direct result of God's blessings on the practice and the implementation of principles founded in God's word. Now, these are, biz- these are bio- biblical principles, so they can be applied to any business, enterprise, or endeavor for true success. Our last practice that we set up probably about, uh, about two, three years ago, just a little bit over, probably about three years ago, was set up in a business center that already had four existing dentists, and, and one of them was a children's dentist. We didn't do any demographic studies because from our experience, these principles work so well because they're God's methods, that we knew we would have no problem, and God has blessed this practice. Now there are many aspects when it comes to addressing the growth of a business, such as marketing and advertising strategies. Knowing how to put a winning team together is very critical. Knowing how to put effective systems in place, being able to deliver competent and reliable service. But I believe that the most important thing is what I'll be focusing today, which I believe to be the most important aspect of business success. Okay, and that is, the key to business success is having the right core values and effectively translating them into everyday business. Core values are our fundamental beliefs, the fundamental beliefs of a person or organization. They're the guiding principle that guides and dictates our behavior and action. What we do in our practice and what we don't do is guided by our core values. For example, what are Volvo's known for? Everyone knows that it's known for safety. Their core values are quality, safety, and environmental care. So if they produced a new car that could go faster, better gas mileage, but not as compromised in safety, what would they do? The answer would be obvious, because we know what their core values are. We all love Whole Foods, or as some people call them, Whole Paychecks, because they cost so much. One of their core values is we sell the highest quality natural and organic products available. Would you agree that is what they are known for? That's what we know Whole Foods for. A company that I admire greatly, although I've never bought anything from there, is Zappos. Who's heard of Zappos? Okay, Zappos went from almost no sales to a billion dollars in sales in just ten years, selling shoes online. And here's how they did it. Here's one of their core values. The first, one of their first core values, deliver wow through service. This company has been called insane and fanatical for the way it will do anything to please its customers. Let me give you just two examples. A customer service rep physically went to a rival shoe store to get a specific pair of shoes for a woman staying at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Vegas, when Zappos ran out of stock. Customer service call center reps have training for seven weeks before they are full speed in the call center. They have a record for the longest time that one of their service reps was on the phone, 10 hours and 29 minutes. And most of that call wasn't even about customer service. It was about what's it like to live in Vegas, because the Zappos is stationed in Vegas. At the end, they sold her a pair of, pair of Uggs. I believe it was a she. Could it be a he? Now, the company does not view this incident as bad news. Now, why should it? Why should they? This just made news. Okay? Their first core value is deliver while through service, and they are living up to their name. And they were acquired by Amazon for a $1.2 billion uh, stock deal. Core values are critical to business success. Now, if you don't have personal core values, or if they are ambiguous or unclear, it might be difficult to accurately create core values for your practice or business. But by virtue of you sitting here for this presentation, I will submit that all of us have a similar worldview, and that we all have similar core values which are founded in God's Word. During this presentation, I will identify a few basic core values that should be a given for any Christian enterprise. These concepts are very simple to grasp, almost elementary as you will see, yet there are no shortage of businesses that struggle and fail to thrive. This failure stems from a number of reasons. The first reason that core values do not become a part of the culture of the business is because the leaders or the senior executives do not live them. And I'm actually gonna go through examples so you'll see this later on. Whether your core values are written or not, said or unsaid, if you live them, your office will know exactly what they are as they will see it demonstrated in day-to-day business. If there are no core values, then, guess where the focus lo- lands? The focus lands on making as much money as you can. And that will be perceived by your patients or your customers. Other reasons are lack of intention- intentionality, lack of insight, or just plain blind spots. Another is people can be myopic, they're short sighted, they don't see the bigger picture, and they can't see the forest for the trees. When they are short sighted, it may appear too counterintuitive. Now, here's the definition of counterintuitive. Contrary to intuition or to common sense expectation, but often nevertheless true. So let me give you a good illustration of something counterintuitive. This is what Martin Luther said. Work, work, work from morning until late at night. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. This seems very counterintuitive. If you are so busy, how can you spend three hours just in prayer? But you and I would agree that less time in the day with God's blessings will accomplish more than a full day without God's blessings. And while we would agree, how many of us would actually spend three hours in prayer on a very busy day? So even though we can intellectually grasp the concept, not many will implement this into their own life. And so do you understand the point I'm trying to make with this illustration? I want to introduce you to a basic concept that I learned years ago from Howard Ferran. He's the founder of Dental Town. Some of you may know who he is. It's called the Purple Cow Concept. Imagine you're driving down the highway and you're just going through fields and you see a brown cow, a black cow, spotted cow, Holsteins, jerseys, brown Swiss. You're seeing cow after cow and then you happen to see a velvety purple cow. Who's seen a cow like this before? No one's seen a cow like this before? If you saw a cow like this, would you remember this cow? Why? Because it's so unusual, it's so different. So let me illustrate a purple cow. Before I went to dental school, this probably over 20 years ago, I was in a pre-dental class at Pacific Union College, and we had a guest lecturer. He was a dentist. His last name was Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. Now, that's not an unusual name. Now, maybe it's, un- it w- it's not an ideal name for a dentist. It was Dr. Payne. But his first name was Daryl, and his middle name was B. It was Daryl B. Payne. Now, if you say his name, Daryl B. Payne. There will be pain. There will be pain. Just imagine walking into his office, and he goes, hello, welcome to my office. There will be pain." I never forgot his name. Because it was so different, okay? Now to illustrate the concept of a purple cow, there's a book called The Purple Cow, Transform Your Business by Being Remarkable. I'm gonna just give you a practical thing that we did at my office. It's typical after a dental visit for kids to be able to go to a toy box or a treasure box and pick out some tiny little cheap toy. And we had that at our office. And so I thought of doing something different. I had an empty operatory room. And so what I did was I decorated it and I put a basketball hoop in there, and we called it our game room. And so when the kid was done, they got to go in there and they had to make one basket to win their prize. But if you can make ten baskets, you can win this huge remote control race car that I had sitting on the shelf. The kids loved the game room. Okay? Now, what, what was so unique about the game room? No one else had a game room. In fact, my front desk told me that someone called asking, are you guys a dental office with a game room? Okay? Now, the fact that someone called us asking about it confirmed that someone out there was talking about it. Now this is just a silly example, and I sold the office years ago. And along with the office there went the game room. And so, and I no longer have this in my office because I don't have room. You kind of have to have a room for this. (laughs) But anyways, I'm trying to illustrate the point of a purple cow. Is the way that you do business remarkable? Are you able to differentiate yourself from all the other dentists in town? I will submit that in the self-centered, greedy world that we live in where selfishness and mediocrity seems to be celebrated. It is not difficult to be remarkable. All you have to do is differentiate yourself from the rest of the world. And the best way to differentiate yourself from the world is found in the Word of God. The ways of God are just completely antithetical to the ways of the world. Our best example of this is Jesus. Jesus was remarkable. Jesus was worthy of notice and attention. And we can extract core values for growing a dental practice from how Jesus conducted his life. First of all, Jesus was intentional and he was deliberate in everything he did. In John 4.4, is a very simple verse, and it says, and he must needs go to Samaria. Can you sense the intentionality in that verse? Why did he have to go to Samaria? Because there was a woman at the well, and he had a divine appointment with her. Ministry of Healing, page 143, one we are all familiar with. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. What is the goal of any business? It's to reach the people. The more people you can reach, the bigger your business will grow. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good, He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. There is a definite order of progression as to how Jesus reached the people. We are told this will give true success. What was the first thing he did? He mingled with men as one who desired their good. So here's a simple core value. A commitment to desire good for every one of your patients. Now Jesus' method works so well that you don't even have to be a Christian to make this work for you. Who here has heard of great Glassman? Anyone heard of Greg Glassman? Could probably consider the most powerful man in fitness today. He's the owner, he owns 100%, has no board of directors to answer to of the fastest growing workout chains in the world, CrossFit. He recently found himself at the Harvard Business School and he was invited to share the secrets behind CrossFit's meteoric growth. Here's what he said, you like metrics, you like money, we're the fastest growing large chain on earth. We have broken all records. Greg goes on to say, I'm not trying to grow a business. I'm doing the right things, for the right people, for the right reasons. I want you to understand what he's saying here. His goal was not chasing dollars. He was trying to do the right thing for people. The result is meteoric growth of his business. Now that sounds counterintuitive. If you want your business to grow, you should focus on growing the business. Focus on profit margins, analyzing market trends. Instead, he's not focusing on the business, but the business is exploding. Based on what he said, we can assume that one of his core values is a commitment to doing the right thing for people. Now, there are newer enterprises like Virgin Atlantic and First Direct Bank that have been invariably successful by creating a culture of focusing on people. Sadly, businesses that can embrace and execute such principles are very much in the minority. Jesus focused on the people, and as a result, he won their confidence. If you can win the confidence of your patient, you don't have to sell them dentistry. They will do whatever you recommend because they know that you have their best interest at heart. They'll send in their spouse Then their kids, tell all their other family, friends, and neighbors, and your business will thrive at worst or explode at best. Imagine if each of your patients become a walking billboard for you and your practice or business. Envision the exponential growth that is possible. If you want your dental practice to grow, you want them to accept your treatment plans, if you want to exert a spiritual influence in their lives, whatever it is that you are aiming for, the key is to win their confidence. Based on my experience, this is my definition. Okay. The simplest definition of confidence is full trust. How do you win their full trust? Based on my experience, this is my definition of how you win somebody's trust. It's the cumulative effect of little things or experiences that lend itself to building trust. Now this is why winning the trust of your patients is such a vital key to success in business. We're told the greatest want of the world is the want of men, and I'm gonna summarize the rest of the quote, which is basically men who are true and honest. This quote tells us that there is a lack of something necessary in the world. By the simple definition of the law of supply and demand, if you can supply that which is lacking, you will be busier than you will want to be. Now, someone may be thinking, but I am honest, and I do have integrity. I care for my patients, but my business is still not thriving or it's struggling. I truly believe that most dentists have integrity and seek to do the best for their patients where many are failing in winning confidence in their patients is not that they don't have integrity or that they don't have the clinical skills, is that they are perceived as not having integrity. And perception is very important because you may be the most honest person, but if they perceive that you are not, you will not gain their confidence. Often we have blind spots and I'm hoping through this presentation that we will expose some of these blind spots. We're gonna start with an example. This is a, a neighboring dentist in, one, in nearby one of the practices I have. He's a young gentleman of a certain religious persuasion that lends itself to strong integrity. And I, I, know, I know him personally. And he has, a, he has a very good character. I would never question his integrity. And he bought the practice from a retiring older dentist, a younger dentist. he has been out of school for a few years. And then he moved up to Washington. And so he bought this practice. And I've had quite a few patients transferred to my office from his office. And I'm going to say that this kind of a scenario is very common. Why do you think that patients are leaving his office? The most simplest answer. Okay. He's not winning their confidence. Okay. For whatever reason, he's not winning their confidence, so they're leaving. Now I'm going to give you some facts, okay? And I know some of these facts because I have a gal who works for me that used to work there. And plus I know what the patients are telling me. The new dentist has a totally different style from the old dentist. The old guy's style is more, keep in mind, he just retired. He's more conservative. If it's not broke, don't fix it approach. The new dentist styles, let's clean it up, get the old stuff out, and in with the new. New dentist comes up with a very good thorough treatment plan that is best for the patient, but probably costly. Patient is confused. I've been seeing the old dentist for years. She told me all this is just fine, and now you're telling me I need all this new work. So I'm going to summarize what the problem is. Though he's an honest and good dentist and his treatment plans are in the best interest of the patient, you cannot tell a patient that has been seeing a dentist for years and years that they need all this new treatment when you haven't won their confidence first. So they are leaving him and looking for a second opinion. By this time, it's too late. I see this kind of stuff happen all the time. It doesn't have to be because there was a practice transition. It could be because somebody just moved into your town, and they'd been seeing their old dentist for years, and they just found you, and you're their new dentist. So I'm going to tell you what I would do in this situation. First, my goal is to connect with each patient. Connecting means try and develop an interpersonal relationship. Find common ground, something to connect on. It can be as simple as, where did you move here from? Sometimes I find out that, that they moved from California. I'm from California, we can start talking about that. Showing interest in them. What did you do this summer? Is there anything exciting going on in your life? People like it when you ask questions about them. Then I will start my exam. When I'm done with my exam, I do a presentation with as many of my new patients as possible. I, and it's just, I share on why patients end up in dentures. While highlighting period disease and and the reasons for flossing. I tell them I hardly ever floss until I learned this stuff in dental school. It is done in an interesting and winsome way, can't be boring. When I'm done, you know what my patients will say? They'll say things like this, I've never had anyone explain it to me like that before. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to win their confidence. The patients are seeing that I care enough for their well-being to take the time to educate and teach them what is going on in their mouth and how they can keep their teeth and save money because people love to save money. If they sense you are trying to save them money, this is a very quick way to earn their trust. In this kind of a situation, or for us, it could be a new patient who just moved into town and left a former dentist who they have been seeing for years. My goal is really to be as conservative as possible. Ideally, I hope I don't even find anything. You know why? Because when I tell the patient we haven't found anything, everything looks great, you're good for another 6,000 miles, keep it up, patients are happy. I want to make the patient happy on their first visit. Remember, what's the most important visit? The first visit. This is first impressions. But, however, if I find needed treatment such as active caries or a cracked tooth that needs a crown, I want to show it to the patient so they can see it for themselves. I want to show it to them on the radiograph, show it to them in the mouth, use the explorer so they can feel and see the crack or feel the stick. And I go, do you feel that stickiness? And by the time I'm done, They know exactly what they need because I've explained it to them. They don't need to go get a second opinion. They're already convinced that they need that treatment. It's like a contractor telling you, you need a new expensive heat pump for your house. And you're scratching your head and wondering, do I really trust this guy? Do I really need one? Or do I need a second opinion versus the contractor that tells you you need a heat pump? He explains to you how heat pumps work. He explains to you what went wrong with your heat pump. Then he shows you why your heat pump is broken. And when he's done, you're totally convinced, I need a new heat pump. The key is educating the patient. Educating leads to understanding and this will lead to trust. Now what this dentist should have been doing is over time building the patient's confidence. And as time goes on and the patient keeps coming back, recall after recall, then he should start to educate them as to their need to start replacing the old fillings and should to restore the patient's mouth to what he believes is best for the patient. Because you and I know that there is not just one treatment option for a patient. It's like remodeling a house. There are 10 different options and 10 different directions that you can go to, go through. And so this is an example of a dentist who has great integrity. He's a great person, I'm sure does great dentistry, but lacking the ability to win the confidence of his patients. As a result, his business is affected negatively. Now we're gonna go to another example. This is just an online review of a random dentist. The staff obviously put a lot of effort in there in the office's appearance, making me wonder at the prices I pay. Every visit they have tried to upsell either pricey oral cancer screening, teeth whitening service, or cosmetic Invisalign, I will be looking for a more customer-oriented dentist for my next cleaning. This is not their first visit. Every visit. They've been going to this dentist, and over time what's happened is their trust has eroded because of their experience. Now, what do you think that the patient views is their core value of this office? It's money, okay? And when the patient views it that way, there goes their confidence. Now, now they're looking for a more customer-oriented dentist. What does that mean, a customer-oriented dentist? Someone that they perceive as genuinely caring and trustworthy. This is what the world is looking for. But in defense of the dentist, let's observe this from his point of view. What could he be thinking? People should appreciate that we put a lot of effort into our appearance. We want to look nice for our patients. Oral cancer screening? That's for the benefit of the patient. We're doing this. We want to save lives. Teeth whitening services. This is even biblical. Genesis 49.12 says, his eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Invisalign, it's a great alternative to braces for people wanting to straighten their teeth. The dentist may have had good intentions, but they have lost a patient now. What do you think the patient, and so here is another example of where the patient perceives something that's negative. Here's another online review of another dentist. Good dentist, good dental hygienist. Cons always trying to sell me Invisalign or teeth whitening. It's really simple. Stop doing it. Ask him at the first visit, say we have these services available, and if you should just let us know. But don't ask after that. People get tired of that. Now, he already said, this person already says it's a good dentist, it's a good dental hygienist. If they would just stop the other stuff, they would just be good. If they would just, if this, if this, Uh, in this kind of a scenario, if they would just realize that they could only stop trying to always sell to the patient and they didn't annoy the patient, perhaps the patient would be referring his and her friends to the office and they would have so many patients that they don't always have to try and sell dentistry. You understand what I'm saying? Now, do you know how many good dentists make this mistake and lose the confidence of their patients? There are hygienists that are trained to do this, sell dentistry. Patients in general hate high-pressure sales. A patient may succumb to the high-pressure and they may say okay and agree to it. But you know what happens when they leave the office? They get buyer's remorse. And that leaves a really bad taste in their mouth. How many of you have been to a timeshare presentation, okay? Okay, there's there's a number of us. If you haven't, don't ever go. I hope I never go again, okay? Do you want your patients, when they walk in for a cleaning, to dread the upsell when they come into your clinic? And a lot of dentists, they do this, and the hygienists do this. They do it sincerely, thinking they're doing the best for their patient, okay? But what it is, it's, it's detrimental to your practice. Whenever I hire new staff, some of them, including one of my dental assistants, I have to train them to stop pushing treatments on patients. This is not allowed in our office because it goes against our core value. Some have been so trained to do this, this is very difficult to stop. On the other hand, some hygienists are just so thankful to be working in our office where we don't put this kind of undue, unwanted pressure on our patients. As I was literally putting this presentation together, I happened to check our Yelp reviews and this was the latest that was just posted, okay? Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I, want you to, I just want to read the first part. Super impressed. I just moved to this area and put off going to the dentist for quite a while solely because finding a good dental office is a pain in the butt. Did you know that that's how the, some people in the public feel about having to find a good dental office? I'm going to skip to the bottom. My, uh, it was actually my associate who saw the patient because I looked them up. They said, I do need to have some extra things done, but they weren't pushy or fear-mongering about it, which is awesome They just gave me the information and the quote, and that was that, clean teeth, holla. What did we do to be awesome? We just didn't pressure her. We weren't pushy. We gave her the information, and then we put it in her hands. You understand what I'm saying? Now, in our office, we are intentional about not being pushy or high-pressured. In fact, I don't want any of our patients feeling pressured, as this leads to distrust. We use education and recommendations. We don't try and sell dentistry. It's not hard to win a patient's confidence. Annoying and upsetting patients is a sure way not to win their confidence. Anything in our office that will not lend itself to building trust or confidence in patients, I will intentionally eliminate. For example, I intentionally do not sell any products in my office except for M.I. paste and whitening gel. We sell whitening gel because that's where you get your whitening gel, right? From the dentist. I sell M.I. paste because it's very difficult for the patient to find it if they need it, and so I have it there as a surface as a service, but I do not have a wall with marked up retail products on my wall, deliberately, because I don't want to come across as a dentist who's constantly trying to sell things. Now, my first scratch-start office was down the street from the Sonicare headquarters. In fact, the CEO of Sonicare was my patient. We had really good relationships with them, and of course, they wanted me to sell Sonicare in my office. I didn't sell Sonicare in my office, do you know why? I would tell my patients to go and buy it at Costco, because it's cheaper. Do you think the patients appreciate that? And I take that back, I might have maybe had a few, maybe might have sold one or two, and I, I, I may have realized this is not a good idea. But I just tell the patients, go to Costco. Because what I don't want happening is, is, let's say I sold it to them for 5 or $10 more. Costco can sell things for pretty cheap. And then they're at Costco and they go, oh wow, I could have bought it here for $5 cheaper or $10 or $20 cheaper. And I don't want any of that kind of perceived negativity in my office. I am intentionally and deliberately trying to build trust with every patient. Now. Here's a great core value. You can use this for your office. A commitment to win the confidence of every patient. How's that one? Okay. Come straight to that quote from Ministry of Healing about winning the confidence. So a commitment to win the confidence of every patient. Use this as a barometer as to when you make policies whether it is in line with your core value or not. Let me give you a perfect example. A lot of offices have a, have offices have a policy where they don't dis- discuss fees over the phone. Why is this policy in effect? Is it for the benefit of the patient or for the office? This policy is clearly for the benefit of the office. In life, if you ask someone a direct question and they evade you, that does not lend to building trust. And many offices will say things like, oh, you need to come into the office, and and they'll, you know, they they come up with their reasons, and they won't discuss fees over the phone. Now, I'm going to tell you what my office manager has told me. Patients call all the time asking for fees, and when we are straightforward with them, they thank us and tell us a lot of offices won't share this information, then they schedule an appointment with us. When they ask how much is the filling, she will say something like this. This is a hard answer because filling prices can vary depending on the surface, but our fees range from here to there. Of course, once we come in, then we can give them an exact estimate of what the treatment that they're needing. If you have this policy, ask your front desk what the reaction is of people who call in asking for the fee. And I'm pretty sure I can tell you that they'll tell you that the people are irritated when they call. I had a gal working for me, a patient called, and she wanted to know the fees. And this gal was trained in another office, and she would not tell the fee over the phone. I was like, are you kidding me? I can't remember if the person hung up or the person was so upset. I don't remember what happened. It wasn't good. And, I may, and so for us, it's a policy in our office that it's something that, I've, that my staff know that we give fees over the phone. Now here's just one example of what we do in our office to build trust. It begins with our website. If you're familiar with Mike Barr from Dentaltown, he's also the creator of the dental blog, Dental Warrior. He really emphasizes on personalizing your website, not using canned content. Now why not? Because canned content is generic. That just makes you like every other office. So I have personalized and I'm going to read to you what it says on our website. Now in our content, you can see our core values reflected. One of my core values, which should be all of ours, is Matthew seven twenty one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And this is what it says. I would like to personally welcome you to our website. My goal is to treat our patients exactly the same way that I would want to be treated. So what does that mean? I will tell you what I would look for in a dentist. I would want a dentist that practices with utmost integrity. That means someone who is honest even if no one is looking. I would want a dentist that stands by all of their work. I would want a dentist with gentle hands and seeks to provide the most painless dentistry possible and will listen to what I have to say. Last of all, I don't appreciate pushy salespeople, and I would want a dentist that doesn't put undue pressure on me to do things I do not want or makes me feel like they recommend unnecessary treatment. If this is the kind of dentist you are looking for, I am confident that you will be happy with our services. Please look through our website and get to know us. If you go to the Smile Gallery, you can see actual before and after cases that I have done personally. My personal cell phone number is recorded on our answering machine and any of our patients can reach me at any time for any questions or needing an emergency dentist. If you would like to ask me any questions, please feel free to call me directly on my cell phone at 206-579-9279. And that is my cell phone number. It is my personal guarantee that I will not stop until my patient is comfortable and happy with their dental care. Many smiles and blessings, Calvin Kim. Our website works well for us. If you if you want, you're welcome to use this verbiage. Okay, all I ask is stand by what you are promising to deliver. Okay, how did I come up with these core values? All I did was just compile those things that patients really want from a dentist, and then compile those things that patients really don't like. And what we're telling them is we're going to give you what you want and not give you what and try our best not to give you what you don't want. Is that the kind of dentist that you would want? Okay, we're telling the patients you want an honest dentist. We will deliver integrity. Now I have come to find out through my professional experience that integrity means different things to different people. I always tell, I will often, during an interview, I would tell them how important integrity is, and they always tell me how important it is to them too. And then I'll catch them saying some silly lie. Like, oh, you know, I I told my new phone that I'm still working for this other employer because they gave me a discount. And I'm like, are you realizing you're just telling me that you lied just to get a discount? When I'm working on a child, and the child is saying things like this, are you going to give me a shot? Are you going to give me a shot? And I have an assistant, and she'll say something like, nope, you're not going to get a shot. I will talk to that assistant afterwards and I'll say, you're lying to the child. Don't do that. There are other ways to handle these things. But that's how core values are translated into everyday business. By them seeing how you are living out the core values. And so to me, integrity is absolutely important. Sometimes I may see what looks like a cavity in a tooth because on the x-ray it looks like a radiolucency and I open it and there's nothing there. I will tell the patient, it looked like there was a cavity, we open it, there's nothing there, I'm not going to charge you for it. Do you think that lends to, man, this dentist doesn't know what he's doing? Or do you think that lends itself to building confidence and trust? Now, we will treat you the way we want to be treated. That is, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. You don't want pain. We want to be as painless as possible. I wish that I had time to just talk about the different distraction techniques we use at our office. Sometimes if i got a child who's really difficult, I'll have my assistant spray water and suctioning while I'm giving the anesthetic, and the child just thinks we're just kind of suctioning and so we use distraction techniques distraction techniques work very well if you're going to give a horse an injection are you going to just stab the horse with a big 12 gauge needle or would you maybe slap the horse and then give it a shot so the horse is kind of distracted and doesn't realize it just got a shot we do this on animals like when you know it just comes natural when you're giving a a shot to a cat or dog you shake that cat or dog or scratch him my wife's holding him down i'm scratching him and then one of us is giving a shot but it's amazing how many people don't do that with patients. I have seen patients just stick that, I mean, a doctor, stick that needle right into the palate. Pressure techniques, there are, there's a lot of techniques out there, and we're not going to get into it for the sake of time. But there's things that you can do. Now, we try to make this an emphasis in our office, that we try to make this painless. I like to say to my patients before I start, I'm going to try to make this as painless as possible. I'm trying to give them reassurance. Can we make our shots 100% painless? No, we can't. But I'll tell you what, I think we do more so than a lot of the offices around us because this is one of our emphasis, this is one of our purple cows. It's something we want, to, we want to deliberately do because it's something we know that universally all patients hate getting the injections. I was told recently, well, I've been told by my staff that my current associate gives very painful injections. This makes me very happy, as it is a part of our core value. The reality is, is that most of us all in here, if we took our time, we can all give very painless injections. We've been doing it long enough. We can all do it, okay? But the, but the point is, Are you making an emphasis in your office? So that sometimes patients will say things like this, man, I had a dentist years ago that used to do that for me. Boy, you know what I mean? Or you guys do this so well. Now, we emphasize to our patients, not only on our website but in the office, that we stand by our work. Don't hesitate to contact us. We do this for the same reason people love Costco and Nordstrom's because they have such great return policies. Does this cost them a lot of money? Of course it does. and why do they do it? Because it makes them so much more money. And so if a patient is unhappy for any reason, don't worry, come back in, we'll redo it, or I'll refund you back your money. No fuss, no must. Now, is it difficult for, now, here's the thing. When you have a policy that you're emphasizing like this, because I tell my new patients, I say, and by the way, I just want to let you know we stand by our work, okay? Now, when you tell patients that and you emphasize that, the important thing, obviously, is to make sure you get it done right the first time. But sometimes we have redos. Sometimes I have to give a refund on a rare occasion. Do you think that's painful or difficult for me to give a refund? No. I don't hesitate to do it. You know why? Because upholding our core value is more important to long-term business success than saving a few hundred dollars now and leaving a patient dissatisfied or less than happy with our services. Whether this costs us money out of our pocket or not is minor. Going back to Zappos, here's what Tony Shea, the former CEO, he's a former CEO because I had mentioned that they were acquired by Amazon for an all-stock deal of $1.2 billion, and here's a perfect example, illustration of something that might seem counterintuitive for small business owners. Our philosophy at Zappos is that we're willing to make short-term sacrifices, including lost revenue or profits, if we believe that the long-term benefits are worth it. Protecting the company culture and sticking to core values is a long-term benefit. These guys get it like nobody else. No wonder they grew to a billion dollars in 10 years. Second reason. Here's another reason why a good dentist can be perceived as untrustworthy. When there's a disconnect between what the dentist deems is best for the patient and what the patient deems is best for their situation. It's like this, do you want to have a contractor that tells you what kind of house you should live in and how much it should cost? Or do you want a contractor that wants to know what is your style? Do you want a Mediterranean style home or craftsman style or a Hampton? And what is your budget? What would you want for yourself? Sure, we are dentists and we know what is we know way more than the patient, but if you take this approach, this is a sure way to lose their confidence. Your job is to guide the patient and educate them, emphasis on giving them all their options, and helping them to make the best decision. After all, it's their mouth, it's not yours. Let them feel like they're in control of their own mouth. As I was putting together this presentation, on that day, on one of the days I was working on this, I had two patients tell me their stories. And I'm going to tell you this real quick. The first patient, had a, had a severe; she has a severe buckley malpositioned canine. Her dentist wanted her to get braces. She didn't want braces. She said they argued about it for 20 years. He really just wanted the best for her, which would be get braces, straightened out, put in. Now, the two teeth behind it actually just come right into position. She went to another dentist. Guess what the other dentist said? Why don't you pull it out? You could sense frustration as she talked about her former dentist. Second patient came in wanting adjustment on her lower partial because she said it hurt. She said it hurt as soon as she got her upper partial. Her dentist told her that's not possible. Now, I wasn't there, but to me, it seems like cause and effect, okay? New partial, well, something happened right after she got the new partial. Anyways, he wouldn't adjust the lower partial because it fits so well. And it was a great-fitting partial. So I took it out, found out where it was hurting, and I just made a little adjustment on the lingual flange, put it back, and the patient was just happy as a clam. That patient is now my patient. Why? It's so simple. Because he wouldn't listen to the patient. Because he knew what was best for the patient, Here's what we are told Jesus did. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. I'd sum up this core value as a commitment to show compassion to each patient. Jesus listened, he related to them, and then supplied their need. When a patient comes in, listen to what they are asking for, and unless it is morally or ethically wrong, and most of the time it's not. Do your best to accommodate their requests. This wins confidence. This was also an issue with my neighbor dentist that we started out with who was losing patients. I had a patient that was frustrated because he wanted a certain tooth addressed, but the dentist was more concerned about all the other teeth that needed work. Zappos has ten core values. Their tenth core value is be humble. I really like that one. Being humble leads to trust. People immediately put their guard down. Jesus, the king of the universe, humbled himself and came to minister and to serve. Now, I'm going to just give you a quick example of something that I do, based on, an, it might, I, I may have done it before, I may have not have. I went to a, see, a, I believe was a radiologist specialist with my wife, and we, she was pregnant with our second one. We're having possible complications, and I'm waiting for the specialist to come in, and I'm waiting for him to tell me, hi, I'm so-and-so, doctor so-and-so. And he sat down, let's just say his name was Dave. He goes, how you doing, Dave? And I was like, Calvin. I was pleasantly surprised. I was expecting him to be like, I'm Dr. So-and-so. But he was like, hey, I'm Dave. And immediately, I liked him. Now, this is what I typically do when I walk into a room. If I've got a child patient, it's my first time, I want the mother in that room, okay? Because I want her to see my interaction with the child. I will come up, and I will look the child in the eye, and I'll say, hi, how are you? I'm Dr. Kim. And I'll shake hands. Then I'll go to the mother. I'll say, hi, how are you? Hi, Jane. Calvin, nice to meet you. All I'm doing is I want the child to know I'm the doctor. But with the mother, I'm just putting myself at the same level. She already knows I'm the doctor. And then what I will normally do is I'll say, I'm going to try to guess how old you are by looking at your teeth. But don't tell me how old you are, because if you don't say that, they'll usually be like, I'm six. And then I go through their mouth, and I'm going to try to guess how old they are. And most of the time, I can guess how old they are. If I'm off, I might be off by a year. Once in a rare while. You may have some kid that's, I'm just off. You know what I mean? But in general, and what am I doing? Immediately, I'm trying to engage the patient and the mother. I've got both of their intention. And I'm trying to connect with them. And then afterwards, I go through the whole sugar bugs with the kid. But with with the patients, my first goal is to try to connect and build that trust and that confidence. Now, you have to ask yourself, can you see your business through the eyes of your patients or customers? Best way to do this is by talking to your patients. Do you have questions on your patient forms like this? Why did you leave your previous dentist? How can we accommodate you better during your dental visits? We want to know... This kind of information, so we know how best to serve our patients. Now, I'm trying to expose blind spots. If you think that you are a caring and honest businessman, but you don't find your business to continually grow and expand, you need to closely examine your business practices to see if there are blind spots in your your business practices. Just recently, one of my office managers came to me and said, you told us to tell you if we saw you doing something that could be perceived negatively by the patient. My assistant had done something that I told her not to do, and I was a bit sharp in the way I communicated to her in front of the patient. I thank my office manager for bringing it to my attention, and I totally concurred with her. I want to know what my blind spots are, and unless you ask your staff to bring these things to your attention, they're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell the boss, by the way, you're really messing up here. Fulfilling our mission to provide great care and service to our patients is much more important than stroking or protecting the ego or feelings of anyone in the office, which includes me. Do we make mistakes in our office? Sure we do. We are not perfect, but we sure do our best to learn from our mistakes and make sure to try and put systems in place so that we can minimize our mistakes. As a business, profit and production is important to us. I'm not a 501c3, this is my tent making. In fact, I give my office managers benchmarks and when they reach these goals, we reward them. But the point that I want you to understand is the means by which we achieve our goals. Not by focusing on how much money we can make, but by seeking that which is best for each individual patient's needs. This means that we may or may not see immediate increased revenue or profits, but we stick to our guiding principles to our best of our ability. And in my personal experience, we have seen the returns come back in multiple folds. I'm going to use two simple examples that we can all relate to to try and drive home the point that I'm trying to make through this presentation. You are needing a new car. You go to the car dealer and meet the salesman. He is quite a nice salesman, but his goal is to put you in a car that will net him the highest commission. He is sociable and fun but very pushy and is pressuring you to buy the most expensive car with all the upgrades. He gets you creative financing, and now you drive away with a very expensive car with all the bells and whistles. Your initial excitement dies down quickly as buyer's remorse sets in. The added financial pressure of monthly payments above what you could comfortably afford leaves you anxious. The car salesman has left a very bad taste in your mouth. And every time you think of him, you wish you had never met him because he was clearly looking out for his best interest, not yours. He has made his commission. And you are now stuck with uncomfortable monthly payments with high interest charges. We can all relate to that, right? Okay, second example. You meet the car salesman, and he seems like a nice guy. As you talk to him, you sense he is trying to get a handle on what your specific needs are so that he can put you into a vehicle that will best suit your needs. He lets you know that they have many options and that he wants you to know what all of them are so that you can make the best informed decision. After all, the car is for you, not for the salesman. He is kind and helpful through the whole process. You decide to finalize the purchase and drive away feeling like you made the right purchase. And the salesman helped you save money. As each day passes you are more and more convinced that this was the right purchase for your specific needs. You know you will want to use this salesman again and in the meanwhile anytime a friend mentions that they needed to buy a car, you tell all your friends about him. This salesman is happy because he knows he was able to help you find the car that was best suited for your needs. As a result, he keeps getting more and more referrals for his great service. The majority of businesses in this world are in the category the first example. They are seeking for maximum profits. That salesman will continue to make money at the expense of others, but he will have to work hard to get new customers in because once they are through, many of the customers will leave through the back door and likely not return. Dentists do this all the time. They market and market and get all these patients. They don't understand why they're leaving out through the back door. A healthy practice will only continue to grow and grow and grow. You're going to need more room. What are we going to do? Are we going to get more staff? Or are we going to get another room? Do we need... A healthy practice should continue to grow. The people that are leaving should be the people who are moving out of town. But those who can embrace and execute business principles like the second salesman are the ones who can see the bigger picture and as a result, their businesses thrive easily and effortlessly because of the power of loyalty, referrals, and word of mouth. Dentistry today is not like it was 20, 30 years ago. There are dental corporations popping up all over the place. They have huge advantages over those of us in private practice. We cannot compete with them when it comes to marketing and advertising. They can offer longer hours and days in the week. They have call centers that can catch way more phone calls, and the list goes on. These corporations are only growing. With this, however, there is a greater need for relationship-focused practices. This is one of the few things that a small private practice can offer better than any corporation can. Patients don't see dental care as just a commodity anymore. They are looking for dentists who they feel is honest and cares for their best interest. Have you heard of Two Men in a Truck, the largest franchise moving company in the U.S.? They started with only an initial investment of $350 in 1985 to buy an old 14-foot moving truck. And now their annual revenue is over $400 million plus. So how did they do this? Here's two of their core values. Integrity, to always conduct oneself with honesty and fairness. And I really like this one. It's called the grandma rule. To treat everyone the way you would want your grandma to be treated. I thought that was brilliant, clever. Everyone could relate to that. I only had one grandma, but I loved my grandma. Now, that's the kind of company I would want moving my furniture. Both of these are biblically-based principles. If you do just these two things, be branded for being honest and that you will treat others the way you will be treated, your business will thrive. But you have to be intentional and deliberate to be branded for these things. I have a patient, and I didn't know what she did for work. I don't even know how long I've seen her. Probably not long. I'm not really sure, but I happened to see her name on a sign. And I realized she's a chiropractor in town. So when she came in, I said, you know, I'm thinking, she's, we're professionals. She's sort of like a colleague. And I go, why didn't you tell me you're a chiropractor? You know what she said? I failed to tell you that I'm a professional because in the past, my dental treatment was based on my socioeconomic status. She said, everybody knows that dentists will base their treatment plans on the ability of the patient to pay. I was like, wow, is, that, is the perception that bad? Now, this is her experience, okay? Whether it's correct or not, this is her perception, and it is what it is. She said, I tell people to go to Dr. Kim. He is nice, and he won't fleece you. I truly hope this is the public perception of how we run our business, because as a Seventh-day Adventist business owner and a representative of our faith, this should be the given. How can we expect our office to be a center of influence if our patients cannot perceive basic Christian virtues in the way that we run our business practices? And we're almost done. I sent one of my assistants to the local dry cleaning shop where, that I used. Okay? And a lot of dentists will, I've heard that dentists will cover their chairs with dry cleaning bags because it's cheaper. Anyways, they would not give her a dry cleaning bag. How much do you think a dry cleaning bag costs? I was so put off by this, I have never gone back to them for business. Recently, my vacuum broke down. We called Hicker Dental, a repair company. They came in right away. They gave us a loaner, and I was waiting to see what our options are. They gave me five options. The most expensive option was $7,100 for a new dry vac. Then they gave me three options for wet vacs, new and used. And the cheapest option was $400 estimate to repair my vacuum. Guess which one I took? The $400 repair estimate. I know nothing about vacuums. If they told me it's not fixable, I wouldn't have known any better. I was so impressed with their way they did business, because I was like, that's the way we like to do business. Give all the options. I called them. I said, are you a family-run business? And they say, we are. I said, are you Christian? She said, we are. they won my loyalty. As long as I'm in business, I will continue to use them, and they'll continue to make money off of me, because I've got lots of equipment that will break down over time. <laughs> in the Bible, there are three stories where somebody asks someone for water. That's a very simple request. Abraham's servant, Eliezer, asked Rebecca for water. uh, Elijah asked the widow of Zarephath for some water, and Jesus asked the woman at the well for some water. A very simple request. Depending on how they responded to this request, their life was changed forever. Rebecca, she didn't know she was passing a test, but she had passed the test, and she became a part of the channel through which the Messiah was born. The widow of Zarephath, her sharing her water with Elijah, saved her life and saved her son's life. And for the woman at the well, she met the living water. Amen. The point of this is, be faithful in the little things, for life and business is often made up of little things, and the little things can make a huge impact. If your business is struggling, you may be inclined to think, if I just had a newer building or a better location on the other side of town, maybe a new CAD-CAM milling machine would help my business. If your business is struggling, take a close look at all your business practices. Talk to your staff. Examine your core values. Often, it's the little things that you are doing or not doing that can have huge consequences, on your practice success. Because the dry cleaners were not willing to give someone one cheap plastic dry cleaning bag, they lost me as a customer and they don't even know it. And Hicker Dental, because they took a few extra minutes to give me all the options, not a big one, just took a little time They have won me as a customer for life. We're told here in Child Education, paragraph 217.2 says, success in this life, success in gaining the future life, depends upon a faithful conscientious attention. To the little things. It is my prayer that God would bless each and every one of you and all the endeavors that you set your hand to. Amen. I also want to add this. What we did is we took the principles that Jesus gave for winning souls and applied it to business. But you can take everything that we just discussed and apply it right back to what it was intended for, for winning souls. May God bless all of you and thank you for your time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse